Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherwood here with you Friday, April 15th. Uh, glad that you could be with us today uh, to talk a little Gamecocks heading into what's called the big Gamecock weekend. Gamecock football spring game, Saturday night at Williams-Brice, Patrick Davis concert. There's a 5K, there's a baseball game, uh, beach volleyball games, all that good stuff. Uh, if you're in Columbia, I'm pretty jealous. <laughs> I wish I was there uh, having fun with some of you guys, but I uh, wanted to kind of you know, take you through everything and then get you ready for uh, the spring football game. Uh, thanks as always to Heritage Digital for sponsoring the opening segment of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, if you obviously are having issues with your IT guy, uh, give him a call, Matt, uh, at Heritage Digital. You heard the ad at the top. Uh, that's a good sponsor for us. Uh, they really do a lot, uh, you know, to help us be able to put up this podcast a couple days, three days a week, whatever, you know, could be. <laughs> Uh, we'll probably be more when we go into the season and, and all of that. All right, so uh, big Gamecock weekend this weekend. Uh, we we have the spring game, like I said. Uh, some news before we get to football, though. Uh, Lamont Paris, Gamecocks men's basketball coach, uh, completed his coaching staff, hired Tim Buckley, uh, who was at UNLV this past year with, uh, I guess, Kevin Kruger, Lon Kruger's son, is the head coach of the Running Rebels. Uh, pretty good staff. They have out there UNLV sort of. I keep up with them a little bit, and uh, they overachieved this year. Uh, of course, Kevin Kruger, I think, is a, a rising star like his dad uh, out there. But uh, you know, UNLV has, has issues, and, and like I said, I keep up with them a little bit. And you know, they can't pay a, a whole lot. <laughs> uh, this contract's three hundred fifty thousand dollars for Buckley. Uh, he used to be at Indiana. He was in Indiana twice. Uh, and with Tom Crean, a couple, no, I'm sorry, he's at Marquette twice with Tom Crean. I'm sure he knows Darren Horn. Uh, <laughs> uh, Coach Dwayne Wade, uh, so you know Horn was on that staff as well. But his kind of claim to fame, and Hale McGranahan did a great job uh, tracking this down on the website. You want to go read that if you're a member of the thebigspur.com. Uh, he's called the Shot Doctor. And you look, and if you're looking for some tangible evidence of his ability. You know, there's a lot of players he's coached that are shooting around 28, 30% from three, and they, they end up uh, getting to 40 uh, the next year uh, and all of that. And I know everybody around here is uh, – I can see it because every every player from the portal that mentions the Gamecocks, people immediately go and look at their shooting stats. I think that people are ready for some shooters <laughs> uh, with Carolina basketball in general. The, the girls uh, – too. I mean, you know, there's a, that team was a national championship team, obviously, because of its defense. But, you you know, you, you kind of hope sometimes they shoot a little better. But that's that's neither here nor there. Speaking of that, Sanaya Rivers uh, has transferred. Uh, the freshman from this year didn't 
didn't score as much as she probably was used to scoring in high school. Uh, it was close when they got her between NC State and the Gamecocks. I, uh, and she's in the portal as do not contact, which means, you know, they know where she's going. Uh, I would guess NC State uh, going back uh, to the runner-up or, or whatever uh, in her recruitment. But, yeah, it's not, it's not a comfortable loss. I don't think, you know, for, for the Gamecocks and Dawn Staley. But if, uh, if I know anything at all about Dawn Staley and how she builds a roster, she's probably got somebody out there in the portal or otherwise that she'll sign and, and be fine. Uh, you just hate to see five-star players, top elite players leave anytime. And, you know, in women's basketball, it, it, it's different than the guys because you, you're not – you don't have one and duds, you know, you, you, most girls are there two or three years. And so you, sometimes you have to wait your turn uh, if, uh, if you're a big time player. Uh, and so I don't, I don't know. I, I think that, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if she does end up at NC state, but uh, obviously that's another piece of news uh, from the hardwood uh, to pass along, but, you know, back to Buckley. Uh, and, and I mentioned this and I don't know if I say I caught some heat on it, but I, I mentioned to you guys, uh, that, you know, what I'm hearing was a big name that everybody would be impressed with. Uh, but I also said, look, I we don't really know, me, you, all of us. I mean, it's, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody knew Brad Underwood when, when he came to Carolina for the year under Frank Martin. Um, you know, Mike Boynton obviously was, was on that staff early and is now a head coach and Matt Figger as well. I don't think we knew those guys coming in uh, other than they were assistant coaches here, there and yonder. Now Buckley does have, he, he does kind of fit the, uh, the parameters that was described to me by a source, you know, like uh, a guy that used to be a mid-major head coach that got fired um, long time assistant, that kind of thing. And so when you dig into it, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and if he can help them shoot better, that's great you know, and recruit and, and all that good stuff. But uh, a veteran guy that's done it, you know, at the highest level at Indiana uh, while he was there, you know, winning, uh, I think they were number one in the country for a while, won a couple of Big Ten titles under Tom Crean. And, and I know Tom Crean uh, spectacularly flamed out at the University of Georgia. Uh, and, and then, you know, you, you got Horn, who was an assistant under Tom Crean too. So I, I, I think sometimes – you know, this fan base, you know, well, and I'm guilty of it too. It's not you guys. Uh, you sit there and go, well, oh man, uh, you know, not another coach from Western Kentucky. Or, you know, when they were talking about Matt McMahon, you know, people remember Steve Newton, not another coach from Murray State. Uh, App State, you know, in football, oh, Sparky Woods came from App State. No, nah, you don't want that. Uh, that kind of thing. I, I see it with baseball too. And, People are talking about uh, potential replacements for Mark Kingston, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, not not potential replacements, but the, the baseball program. Um, you know, uh, there's some guys out there that that could be in line for the job if it opened that went to North Carolina, and you're like, oh, well, third straight guy from UNC <laughs> uh, if that happens because Kingston was a Tar Heel. Obviously, Chad Olbrook was a Tar Heel. Uh, there's another Tar Heel out there that could be, you know, in the mix for the job. Like I said, if it opens, uh, Scott Jackson from Liberty is who I'm talking about. But uh, you know, there, there's a there's an adverse reaction uh, to it for for things that don't work. Now, do I think that stuff matters? No, I, I think that uh, you can get every single coach from one place. Uh, two of them don't work out, and the third one does. That's fine. Everybody kind of stands on their own. These are human beings. Um, and every human obviously is unique, different. That's why we have, we celebrate individualism here, uh, in America and in our society because uh, our differences are, are great and, um, you know, it gives us strength. And so, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't want to damn anybody, uh, if they're this, that, or the other. I mean, you know, in, in football, uh, Ray Tanner interviewed Brian Johnson, OC from Florida, uh, for the head coaching job, uh, ultimately settled on Shane Beamer, obviously. But had Brian Johnson gotten the job, you know, that's another third straight coach with ties to Florida. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's interesting. Very, very interesting, you know, in terms of uh, the trends and, and things like that. But I, I do think with Johnson, it would have been something some people would have talked about, and, you know, myself included. I'm like, oh, well, you know, do you spur your, and you got this, and you got this. 
wow, you know, but that didn't happen. Brian Johnson's in the NFL now and still, I believe, has a uh, outstanding, outstanding chance to be a big time head coach one day. Uh, if you look at the work he did with the Gators, uh, their passing game in 2020 led the country, Kyle Pitts, all that, you know, a lot of that was Brian Johnson's influence on Dan Mullen's offense, which, you know, we, we saw it take a, a dramatic step back, you know, this past year. But, it, but anyway, uh, so that's the thing, you know, you know, oh, I don't want to know the guy from here, guy from there. Uh, but with Buckley, you know, it, it, it's fine. I mean, you're talking about a top assistant and you're talking about a guy, again, that, that that's sort of a, a shot guru. And uh, the one thing I like about Lamont Paris that, that he talked about, or one of the things I like about Lamont Paris uh, is his efficiency. And uh, unfortunately, and you guys know I've been outspoken about this. I don't, I think it's BS. I mean, Ray Tanner even said it uh, after uh, the hiring when, when they talked about the net rankings and, and Ray, Ray was quick to say, look, I don't agree with the net rankings. I think it's BS. And, and I do too. I mean, I, and I think that with, you know, some of the propaganda out there, you know, the, the selection committee for the big dance. And, and then of course, you know, the NIT, which is the worst one of them all. I think they just go straight down the list. Uh, you know, they, they can say all they want. Well, that's not really what we're doing here, but, but it is, it, it is, it has outsized influence. And a big part of that is efficiency, uh, which means in a sense, style points. And, and the reason why, you know, they do that. It makes sense from a logical perspective. What they what they did was they created an algorithm and they're who wins NCAA tournament games. Well, the teams with X efficiency normally do. They get in the tournament in advance. Now, this year, when you look at it, I don't know. I don't know how right they were. I mean, you know, everybody said, I mean, who the hell decided the ACC was down with the net rankings? Uh, you know, was that just something that somebody came up with? Because of efficiency, I mean, because last time I checked, you know, North Carolina and Duke both went to the Final Four, uh, you know, and neither one was one seed. Miami went to the Elite Eight. Notre Dame advanced uh, two games before losing, and they got in by the skin of their teeth. You know, yet you had nine Big Ten teams that, you know, you wedged in there, and not a one of them, you know, made it uh, to the even the Sweet 16, I think. Did one did Michigan make Michigan made the Sweet 16, didn't they? It was like one Big Ten team. But anyway, that uh that there's your efficiency right there, you know. And, and and maybe this year's an outlier because I know that they've done that. But but back to it, I mean, if those are the rules of the game, you know, you you have to, you know, coach uh the way the rules are. And I think that's that's one thing, uh, you know, or, or not the rules, but the I guess the uh, the metrics, whatever you want to, to call it, uh, and I guess it matters, you know. And if and I hope, I hope to God they tweak the net uh, because look, efficiency can matter and, and and can be part of what you do uh, when you're determining the field. But I, I just think that I mean, and it wasn't just South Carolina because uh, South Carolina ultimately was 17 and 13. That was not going to get them in the NCAA tournament at all. I think they were clearly an NIT team with seven quad one and two wins, uh, but they got left out. And, you know, the only difference, I mean, you know, Vandy got in the NIT. Uh, they finished 19 and 17. Um, they had seven quad one and two wins. They had two quad three losses. Just like the Gamecocks, they were not, did not have as good a conference record, They uh, but they were 31 points higher in the net for because of efficiency by the way the Gamecocks swept them beat them in Nashville and beat them in Columbia uh, so you tell me how that makes any sense at all uh if you're talking about an NIT bid or, or whatever but because you know that stuff matters in that sport you know you got to kind of go do it uh and pay attention to it now Lamont Paris and, and Chattanooga they uh they rose in the net rankings every single year and were 63rd you know, this past season. Uh, and so that efficiency counted, uh, you know, they gave Illinois all they wanted in the first round lost by a single point, devastating loss. They had them beat. Um, and this didn't do it, but, uh, scared the bejesus out of them. How about that? But, um, you know, so I, I think that when you're talking about 
improving shooting and, and having a quote unquote shot doctor uh, and all that, that, that's good. You know, that's good. Uh, and as far as recruiting goes, Gamecocks, I uh, believe, have Jawan Gary on campus, the Alabama transfer from Columbia. Uh, Jawan, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, different info out there. Uh, and look, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, during his recruiting, just about everybody thought he was going to Carolina. Um, and he did not. Uh, and then there's some, some people that, you know, quite frankly, I, I sort of trust, uh, you know, here, here we go. I know he listens to this podcast too, you know, that, that, that hey, it was never going to be Carolina uh, back then. Uh, but he went to Alabama and, you know, though obviously they had in, in, they've gone to NCAA tournaments, been there two years, you know, six and a half points a game this year, uh, 3.8 the year before, 15 minutes a game for the Crimson Tide, 3.4 rebounds a game, uh, shooting 22% from three on that team. I mean, there's obviously a lot of great three-point shooters, but, you know, I think Jawan's a guy that can help. Uh, you know, I, I don't know – you know, if, if the Gamecocks will end up with it. But uh, I think he's a guy that can help, you know, and, he, and he's an in-state guy. You know, and you got Hayden Brown from Citadel out there that's an in-state guy. And they're, they're looking at a lot of in-state guys. And so curious to see how this roster sort of comes together and how many South Carolina bounce backs they get, and you know, South Carolina players. Uh, you know, I don't think it's realistic to say 100%. But uh, Gary's right there on campus and uh, – We'll see what happens. You know, like I said, is he a complete game changer for the program? Uh, probably not. I mean, I don't think that getting him now uh, is as good as if they'd have gotten him out of high school just because of the, I guess, the um, the perception out of high school. Uh, but I, I think if you lose him, you know, he happens to go elsewhere, you're, you're probably not as upset. If that makes any sense, but man, there's a lot of roster space that's open. So I, uh, I, you know, Juwan Gary, two years in the SEC with a winning program, improved his scoring this year by three points a game. Uh, good rebounder, you know. I, I, I'm for taking him uh, if you could possibly get it done. So we will see what happens uh, with that. But that's a that's a pretty noteworthy official visit for Lamont Paris and Tim Buckley and all those guys, you know. So. Buckley, you know, the shot doctor, again, pretty good deal, right? Uh, Carolina needs a shot doctor, I think. Um, and uh, if he can get them better, we get them better. And if Jawan Gary can come in and help, great. So we'll see what happens as we um, continue to move forward. You know, with uh, basketball recruiting, obviously a lot of recruiting to be done <laughs> given the, the transition of the roster. I think – I don't remember if Keyshawn Bryant declared for the draft since we've had the last episode or not. I kind of got lost with that. But, yeah, he's gone too, and that's no surprise. Um, in fact, you know, I, I think Keyshawn kind of is what he is at the college level, and, and I think he's gone about as far as he can. Uh, he needs consistency. He needs uh, – to not dribble the ball off his leg half the time and, and all that. And I think in the, in the G league or something like that, you know, those pro guys where you're basically working on basketball all the time uh, can probably get that out of it. You know, I, I, I don't want to count him out because of his athletic ability, but I just don't know what, you know, maybe the shot doctor could have helped him at Carolina or whatever, but I, I don't know, you know, he, he just didn't really get any better. Okay. Uh, in 2020, uh, at the end, I thought he was one of the best players on the team. He was playing within himself. He was rebounding. He was under the bat. He's using his talents to the, you know, maximizing his own talents. I thought in 2021, when there were bright spots and there weren't very many, he was pretty good. Uh, you know, I thought this past year kind of reverted back to how he was in uh, 2020 before he kind of got into his group. And, and it never really changed. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, beat a guy up for one play. But if you, if you think back to the SEC tournament, you know, it's 47-44 Mississippi State. Uh, Gamecocks, have, I think they were on a 7-0 run. They were down 10. They were down three. They break away for him, and he bricks the dunk. And then after that, that was the Frank Martin era. I mean, it, it was over after that. Uh, you know, and, 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 and those kind of things cost you in basketball, I think, because they're momentum busters. And, 
basketball is a game of runs many, many times. And if you're on a run and something like that happens, it's deflating, and then they go down and do this. I mean, it's almost like in, in football where the ill-advised Jordan Birch pass at Tennessee. Uh, you know, Carolina as a team did not recover until it was 38, 31-7, 38-7, whatever. You know, they, they did not that, – that was a – a mental blow. You hear coaches talk about it all the time. You know, when your offense turns it over in the red zone, it's deflating for the entire team and missing dunks like that deflating for the entire team. Uh, On the flip side, a lot of times Keyshawn Bryant's uh, big time dunks got everybody fired up. I mean, you know, there's there's two sides to it. Uh, But as far as Keyshawn goes, I mean, I, I, you know, and I I don't, I've said this before, I, you know, said it just a, a few minutes ago. I'd, I think he's done all he can do in college. And if he wants to play pro ball, you know, I think the best thing for him is to go try to latch on developmentally, you know, go to the NBA combine, get an agent, you know, see where the chips fall. Uh, Unfortunately now uh, with the situation in Ukraine, Eastern Europe, where there's a lot of great opportunity to play basketball, they they may be a little, little tricky now uh, to play overseas, but in that particular region, but uh Anyway, that's what's happening there. Lots of recruiting to be done basketball-wise. Baseball team, I mentioned, 9-1 to one loss to Ole Miss. It was sort of over before it started last night. Really a big shame. Uh, I was asked today, we were asked today about Mark Kingston on the site. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying this. I mean, I, I understand the injury situation on the mound. This team does not hit well enough, though, to overcome it. This is yet another year. They haven't been able to hit the ball that well. I mean, I you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think this baseball program has standards. Um, the standard is to get the NCAA tournament at a baseline, <laughs> you know, and if they're probably not making it this year. And so if you're the powers that be at South Carolina, I, 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 think, I think you really got to dig in and say – is this working, you know, if they, if they have a losing season this year, I just, my, my opinion is barring a massive turnaround and they're under 500 right now and way buried in the sec. Uh, I think you need to, and I, I haven't really been sold since the second half of his first year. Uh, when they did get it together, I mean, they were struggling right along just like they are this year. They got it together Ended up going and winning a regional in Greenville, North Carolina, and being a game away from Omaha uh, out with Arkansas. Arkansas was the national runner-up that year. Uh, so no shame in that. Uh, but then the next year was a historically awful season. that They finished 500, but uh, overall, but I think 9-21 in the SEC. A lot of one-run losses, though. That team was actually more competitive than this one, believe it or not. Um you know, so so there was that year. Then when they called it off in 2020, you know, that team was sitting at 12 and four, but they had lost two out of three to Northwestern. Folks, uh, you don't lose to Northwestern. I mean, that, that's a as cold as it is in Chicago. <laughs> uh, you know, those boys they hadn't necessarily been out there raking. You know, and they lost that series and lost the Clemson series, and then it got called off. So I, I don't know how much optimism we all had then. I mean, baseball's a funny game. Obviously, they could have turned it around. Um, and then you had last year, which uh, ended disappointingly, not being able to hit. And then you got this year, which is, you know, th- there's been some mystery. You know, beating Vandy two out of three in Texas, two out of three is good. Uh, but then what about the rest of it? I mean, losing two out of three at Missouri, blowing leads. Uh, the midweek losses have been sort of embarrassing. Uh, they didn't beat North Florida this week, thankfully. But, uh, you know, you, you get drilled opening night by Ole Miss. I mean, it's, it's just tough. You know, maybe they rebound and, and take the series. Who knows? But I, I the faith I have in this team is, is, is dissipating, uh, as is the faith in the Mark Kingston era. I hate to say that, but look, man, if you're not getting it done, you're not getting it done. Uh, this baseball program has standards. So we'll see what happens down the road, but that's my my take on that. Now, you know, we move into the analysis segment of the podcast. Going to mention Cindy Searfoss, Colwell Banker Kane, my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, Daniel Morgan Avenue. You know the real estate market's crazy right now. 
uh, Cindy can help you navigate it in the upstate. She's been there over 35 years. Would love to help you with all your needs. 864-414-5271 or ccerfoss at cbcane.com. That's C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane, C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com. Again, right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue, Cindy Searfoss, Colwell Banker, Kane Real Estate. Be, be sure to tell JC sent you from the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. That helps me out a lot. Uh, and, yeah, so here we go. Thanks to Cindy. Uh, for sponsoring this. So when in Las Vegas, W-Y-N-N, not W-I-N or W-H-E-N, W-Y-N-N, the win, Steve Wynn. Uh, it's kind of funny because in the taxis out in Vegas, I guess I was out there for the tournament with my buddies for the NCAA tournament in 2012. It was when they hired, it was right when they hired Frank Martin, uh, the Gamecocks, man. Hard to believe it's been 10 years, right? But you know, my high school, junior high buddies, lifelong buddies, I guess is what you call them. We decided to uh, go to Vegas for the tournament. Uh, we, we've done that twice. Uh, and then I guess, you know, there's my buddies getting remarried. There's kids, you know, lots of kids, all that good stuff. So we hadn't been able to make it since 2013. But 2012, we all go. Uh, and, and, you know, you take the cab around and Steve Wynn comes up on the in the – I guess there's a little TV in the cab. Hi, I'm Steve Wynn, and I want to welcome you to the win and all that good stuff. So it's kind of it's kind of, run, of a running joke there, but I like the win. I've stayed there. We actually stayed at Circus Circus, which is uh, less than desirable <laughs> when we went out there, but we were trying to save money so the wives and girlfriends would not be upset. But uh, it, uh, you know, the win. So, so they released uh, their odds, uh, the over-under, for the SEC football season coming up and team by team. And I have them here for you. Uh, I'll say this, South Carolina is sitting at six, which is two and a half more games than, you know, they were sitting at last year. That, that probably means they think, well, you know, you got Vanderbilt and you got Georgia state and Charlotte and SC state, and then find two other wins, maybe Missouri at home. Uh, and then one other one from somewhere. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it's fair. I think it makes sense. I, I, I think that there are pieces in place athletically, uh, player-wise, to where I think the Gamecocks can do better than that. Uh, but, but I wasn't, like, super surprised. Now, there were some that surprised me. I'll be honest. Surprised me. Uh, and I'll go through those now. It's, it's – uh, all right, Alabama and Georgia are sitting at 11 and a half each. I'd probably go over on Bama. Don't know about Georgia. They, anytime, you know, no matter how well you recruit, anytime you lose the players you lost off that dominant of a defense, uh, you know, you, you're not going to be as dominant, I don't think. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but uh, 11 and a half is good. A&M sitting at nine. I think that's the expectation out there that, you know, they get jump into the contender mode this year, Tennessee, eight and a half, uh, which I think's pretty doggone interesting. Um, I, uh, I like Tennessee. I, I think that, uh, you know, that they're a team that, you know, has a lot going for them offensively. Uh, you look at their schedule it's not as daunting as maybe it's been. They open with Ball State on a Thursday night. They go to Pitt in what should be kind of a revenge game. I mean, that game last year, Tennessee's offense, they were starting Joe Milton. So Tennessee's offense wasn't like it was when Hooker took over. Uh, so you go up to Pitt, the Heinz Field. Uh, and I, I will tell you, I call it the Johnny Majors Bowl. I'll tell you this, I think there'll be a lot of orange in the stands on that road trip. Akron comes to town. Florida comes to town. They are at LSU uh, in the uh, with, with the crossover game, and, and I think that's a key game there. They play them the week before. They play Bama in Knoxville, then UT Martin, then Kentucky at home, then at Georgia, then Missouri at home, and then at Gamecocks the week before the Clemson game, and then they play at Vandy. And so I think if you're looking at it, you're like, well, if they can win the Pitt game, that's a 4-0 non-conference. So, you know, 
five SEC wins, Missouri, Vandy. I think they probably think they'll beat Carolina. They've owned Kentucky, uh, you know, Florida at home. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I just, uh, you know, w- would I have had them that high? Probably had them a seven and a half, to be honest, the Vols. Uh, but anyway, that, that's kind of what they think. And, you know, with the offensive production they have coming back and their style of offense, I, you know, you can't rule it out. Honestly, second year in the system, all that good stuff. Kentucky and Ole Miss are both at eight. I think that's very high for Ole Miss, just to be quite frank with you. <laughs> um, you know, they lost so many players, uh, you know, but they, you know, their non-conference game, their tough non-conference games at Georgia Tech. They don't play – they play Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Tulsa. All those should be wins. They got Kentucky – uh, coming in for homecoming. They play at Vandy. So, look, man, I mean, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, and then Auburn. I mean, they could be 7-0 and going to LSU. They could be 8-0 and uh, going to A&M uh, on Halloween weekend. Bama comes to Ole Miss in November. They play at Arkansas in November, the Mississippi State. So, their November's tough. The rest of it, very manageable until you get to A&M on the road. Uh, And they beat A&M last year. So Lane Kiffin and his group, I mean, you know, I I say I disagree with a little bit just because of the massive amount of people they lost. They did a good job in the portal, but they lost a lot, 17 starters off last year's Sugar Bowl team. Um, But you look at the schedule, you know, I mean, Georgia Tech in Atlanta, I don't know. You know, does anybody here think Georgia Tech's going to turn a corner this year after losing uh, Jameer Gibbs? I don't think so. I mean, they, you know, it's uh, uh, the clock is ticking, I think, on the flats in Atlanta. But, uh, you know, but you, if you win that one, yeah, sure, they can, they can get to eight. Uh, and then, you know, keep going on down the list. Uh, old Florida uh, is at seven. Uh, you guys probably saw. The Gators spring game last night. Again, I don't know that you can take much much away from it. Uh, they're not a conference. Schedule is not that. I mean, Utah, uh, who some people are talking about going to the playoff. Utah comes to town. Uh, I wonder if this had anything to do with Urban Meyer. I, I think they scheduled this, though, after Urban left. Uh, Utah, Kentucky, USF, first three games. Uh, then at Tennessee. So they can start one and three. And you got Eastern Washington, Missouri, LSU, Georgia, uh, their crossover game is at A&M. Uh, they play the Gamecocks in November, right before. So the Gamecocks have the Orange Crush again this year. They play Florida, Tennessee, Clemson, last three games. Um, So, you know, seven, I, I think if they got to seven, that would be a successful first year uh, for Billy Napier uh, down in the swamp. Uh, and look, you know, their offense wasn't, Anything to write home about last night in the spring game? I didn't think. Uh, you know, I wasn't blown away by what they did. But like I said earlier, spring games, you know, who knows? Who knows what will happen? I'll talk about the Gamecock spring game here in a second. Uh, okay, so you keep going down the list. Arkansas, Mississippi State, six and a half each. I, that surprised me with uh, when it came, you know, talking about Arkansas. Uh, and I guess it's because the division is so tough. Uh, they have a tough opener as well, Cincinnati, and then they play the Gamecocks, then Missouri State, then A&M and Bama, then Mississippi State. So, and then at BYU. I mean, I don't know who scheduled Cincinnati at home and at BYU in the non-conference. Oh, and then, by the way, they do get Missouri State, September 17th, but uh, November 5th, Hugh Freeze and Liberty. Come to town for homecoming at Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. So it's a tough schedule uh, for Arkansas. Uh, I I think drawing South Carolina is probably tougher than people out there think. Uh, It's going to be a big game, though, for them, especially if they drop the opener to Cincinnati because A&M, Bama, at Mississippi State, the the list goes on and on and on. Um, And they have their annual Friday forced rivalry match up against Missouri State. So there's six and six and a half. Mississippi State's at six and a half. The Pirate. Uh disappointing end the last year. Uh their non-conference big game is Arizona. They play East Tennessee State. They play Memphis, Bowling Green, um, 
you know, their first three games, Memphis at Arizona and at LSU, all winnable but all losable. They have A&M at home, Arkansas at home. Their cross-division team this year is Georgia. Georgia comes in in November. So, yeah, I can see it. You know, Mississippi State's going to be one of those teams, I think, every year that hangs out between six and eight wins. Um, maybe up to nine, ten some years, maybe down to five, seven, five, six, seven, one year, some years. Uh, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, that's kind of how Mullen did it, and uh, I think it's kind of how Leach will do it. They're not bad. They'll never be bad, but, you know, it's going to take a special season, I think, for them uh, to really – make noise in the West. I told you Carolina at six, LSU at six, and uh, they do play Florida State in the Superdome to open the year on Sunday. Southern and New Mexico and UAB are their other, I guess, uh, that's a big game for Florida State. You know, Florida State had a chance to get to a bowl last year and lost lost to the Florida team. Everybody said quit. Um, So FSU didn't make it. Uh, that's a big game for the Knowles down there in New Orleans. And it's a big game for Brian Kelly as well. They, you, know, you, you talk about personnel losses, they did lose a lot. But um, they do have Jaden Daniels coming in from Arizona State, who was a stud quarterback out there for Herm Edwards. So that's a difference maker. And, and there's always talent down there. Um, so LSU at six, I'd probably take the over with them, just to be honest. I, I think they're going to be better than people think. Missouri at five, um, you know, looking at them. They, hey, Gamecocks need to beat them this year. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Uh, that'll be on Halloween weekend. Uh, but they, all right, So they have Louisiana Tech. They play at Kansas State, which is going to be tough. Abilene Christian, that's probably not that tough. And New Mexico State, and then their crossover game uh, with the West is Auburn uh, on September 24th. Auburn is 5-2. Missouri Missouri was five wins. Auburn's also five wins, which is weird, uh, I think, because they open with five straight home games. You know, now it's Mercer, San Jose State, Penn State, Missouri, LSU. <sighs> I can see Auburn winning all five. I can see them going three and two, two and three. Then it's at Georgia, at Ole Miss, Arkansas, at Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Western Kentucky, and then the Iron Bowl in Tuscaloosa. And it, it's crazy that this Auburn team is a over-under of five wins, and you look at the ESPN FPI, which the more I see that, the more I'm like, I don't know what the heck anybody's – I mean, it's worse to me sometimes with the net ranking. Not, not so much because you, you look at some of the team and it makes sense, and then you see Auburn in the top ten, and they've got an over-under from Vegas at five wins. You know, and, and the guys from Vegas are looking at crunching data too. They're not they're not just going on feeling. You know, there's facts before feelings out in the desert, man. It's about money. So I, I don't know what ESPN was thinking. Uh, you know, I have no idea. Pittsburgh is in the top ten with them too, so – who knows what will happen there. But that, that Penn State game, you know, you got Mercer, San Jose State, good two, two good tune-ups for Auburn. And then week three, hit the ground running with uh, James Franklin and the Nittany Lions coming into town. They beat Auburn close last year in State College. Uh, so Missouri, Auburn, and then Vanderbilt uh, brings up the rear. Uh, two wins now. Uh that's probably about right. Uh, you know, looking at it, uh, they're not – again, I don't know who schedules this. They open uh, in week zero. They're an SEC team that opens in week zero. So, Vandy will play a game before anybody else at Hawaii Saturday the 27th. They play Elon at home. Wake Forest comes to town. Wake's supposed to be pretty good next year. Uh, and then September 17th, they're at Northern Illinois. Who scheduled road games at Hawaii and Northern Illinois in the same season? But they did. Uh, so that's Vandy. Uh, their crossover is Ole Miss. No, no, no. They play Ole Miss every year. I apologize. Their crossover, oh, it's Alabama. Oh, shoot. Shoot. That's not good. Not good at all. So anyway, uh, those are the over-unders right now from Las Vegas. Like I said, Gamecocks at six. Probably lean more toward the over. Um, just because I, I think, you know, there are a lot of players Carolina brought in, like I'll use Antoine Wells as an example, you know, a lot of people that are familiar with him know how good he is, but if you're crunching the numbers, you're like, well, 80 catches at James Madison. What does that equal in the sec? 
you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, and South Carolina too, I'll be honest, you know, the depth is a concern. So, so you, you, you end up getting two injuries, you know, uh, or, or of big time contributors. Uh, there's probably a drop off at most spots, not all of them, but most, especially, you know, if some have a Spencer Rattler, that's, that's not going to be good. So, you know, six, depending on the injury situations, fair. I like everybody stays healthy. Uh, not everybody's going to, but significant players stay healthy. Uh, I think they can do a little better than that. Schedule's not easy. I, I, I don't, I'm going to talk more about this this offseason, but you know, I, I don't even think you should take Georgia State and Charlotte lightly. Uh, even South Carolina State, I mean, those three teams, number one, they're right there in your neighborhood. Number two, Sean Elliott's going to want to knock you off in the opener like he did Tennessee, and he almost did to Auburn last year. I mean, if you notice anything about Sean Elliott's teams, even when he was interim coach at Carolina, they play up. You know, I, I don't know that they play down. I don't know that that's fair to say about his teams, but they'll play up the level of competition. I mean, they, you know, they're not afraid. You know, you, you look at that 2015 year, and yes, they lost to Citadel. And that's that's not playing up, obviously. But you know, seven point loss at A and M as a massive underdog, three point loss at Tennessee. That was probably one of Butch Jones' best teams, uh, and rallied, came from behind to do it too to scare them. Uh, Ten point loss to Florida, and then a five point loss to Clemson. That's the last time the Clemson game was close. You know, so. That would concern me. Will Healy is probably ready to have his best team this year at Charlotte. Uh, and then SC State, you got former Gamecock uh, Bennett Swagger calling plays. He's a rising star offensive coordinator. And then a receiver, Shaq Davis, who I think is uh, special out of Somerville. He's, uh, if you watch the Heritage Bowl last year, he went off. So, it's not an easy – and then Clemson, of course, is the fourth one. So, it, it, you know, it's not an easy schedule. You know, getting Arkansas from the West is, you know, that early out there, that's tough. That's tough. But uh, I do think the Gamecocks, as things stand out, could do a little better than that uh, just to keep optimism tempered uh, a bit. So um, there's that. So what to look for in the spring game this weekend as we continue on. Inside the Game Pass podcast, uh, you know the outcomes are rarely important. Uh, I know that the kids, the players, uh, the Garnet team and Black team were sort of talking, uh, talking smack, wanting to win. Uh, it's going to be two evenly matched matched teams, I guess. Uh, you, you know, I, I I like to look at individual players and, and all that people ask me, you know, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? I, I don't know. I, I'm hopeful that nobody gets hurt. That's uh that's uh that's probably my number one, one takeaway, but you know, one thing I think it would be good to see, you know, and this is more from you guys perspective, you know, in terms of, you know, what would make the fan base feel hunky dory heading into the off season because, you know, last year, quite frankly, it drove me crazy that there was all this talk about Luke Doty all off season, blah, 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 based on the spring game and a couple of errant throws that he had. And then Jason Brown, you know, there was a lot of talking him up. Now, looking back on it, I quite frankly believe that they probably, when Luke got hurt, and this scares me. This is one thing that scares me because, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to believe that unless you are a accomplished play caller at the highest level of college or even, even at a different level, you know, unless your offenses have gone up and down the field consistently, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think you need to be uh, as – I guess system, you know, you, you don't need to prioritize the system as much. You got to kind of give guys, you know, what they can do. Uh, and, 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 you know, so what they did with Zeb Nolan was he was running the offense better and, and he was, he knew, he knew the plays better. Um, obviously not as well as maybe we would have thought with some of the checks and stuff that they did at the beginning. Uh, but Jason Brown, you know, come to find out, you know, and, and he gets a, 
and you know, best of luck to him at Virginia Tech. He gets a bad rep a little bit. I think people are still thinking about the Clemson game and not the other games. You know, that guy probably should have been the guy they put out there, and then you limit the package and probably the Karen Joiner too. Um, but you know, they've been as either one of those guys been as calm and cool and collected as uh. As Zeb Nolan uh, on the drives to win the game against Vandy and ECU, probably not. So I don't know. You know, it, it's it's hindsight, but I do believe that you know you got to play your best players, and you got to make sure in college that uh, you know you're not you know, systeming it up, unless you're Steve Spurrier or Dan Mullen or you know uh, Cliff Kingsbury. You know, he's in the pros now. Uh, you know. Uh, Lincoln Riley, you know, those guys uh, with a proven system, you know, then, then I think you can do that. But South Carolina has not shown that, uh, did not show that last year. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, looking at it, th- that whole narrative during the offseason like, drove me crazy because I think it, thought it was completely unfair to Luke Doty. Um, Doty went out there and actually performed decent at times uh, with a broken foot and then re-injured it against Vandy and he was shut down. Uh, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing him play Saturday night too. See if see how he's progressed, you know. And and I would love it if he has, you know. And I think with Spencer Rattler, this is the best scenario for Luke Doty and Colton Gauthier, Tanner Bailey, and Braden Davis, and you know Helfrich and whoever else is is within the quarterback room because you got a guy that's clearly the starter, and and now Luke. Whereas his first two years thrown to the fire, the receiver thing happened in 2020, the foot last year. And that's a lot of drama, you know, to have to deal with your first two years as a college football player. Right. Uh, So there's something to be said for a period of kind of settling down uh, and having like a normal progression and a normal experience and continuing to learn the system and continuing to learn and and get better. And I think it's going to be the best thing for Luke just to be quite honest, you know, I, I think that that's, uh, you know, in, and look, if it were Luke's third year and he had red shirted and he had been at quarterback the whole time and he didn't have the, you know, or let's say he hadn't have broken his foot last year and he'd gone through and struggled or whatever. And then I'd probably be concerned and like, Oh, about him and his future, but I'm not because I, I think that, you know, for a young player to go through that much turmoil, you know, you need a reset. You know, you need a reset. So I'm getting healthy. Uh, things are happening normal. There's not a lot of pressure on me to go out and start. Uh, so I think it's going to work really well. Uh, you know, and mentioning it too, you know, as far as the feeling through the offseason, you know, and then hopefully, you know, Spencer Rattler performs well. And we don't have to hear, oh, he's not that good all offseason or whatever, because it really doesn't matter. Even if he, Spencer Rattler lights it up. That doesn't mean he's going to light it up in the season, you know, so it works both ways. Uh, but, but you know, I, I think it would be good for the fan base to have a pretty good game offensively for both teams. Uh, Juice Wells, Josh Van, Amari Brown, Xavier Leggett, the other receivers, Trey Atkins, uh, you know, whoever, you know, have a good game passing game-wise, you know, and, and they're going to keep it vanilla. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're not Marcus Satterfield. Uh, the other thing I know about him as an OC, as he loves the element of surprise, you know, almost, well, the element of surprise, we'll just leave it at that. At that. Um, and so they're not going to show a whole lot, but uh, neither is the defense. Defense is going to be, you know, very vanilla, probably in base. And uh, what you're looking for is one-on-ones. You know, you're looking for a Marion Brown winning one-on-ones, Xavier Leggett, Juice Wells, those guys. And then on the other side, you know, Marcellus Dial and, and Cam Smith and Darius Rush and, you know, maybe some of the younger corners and defensive backs, you're looking for them to make plays. Here's Anthony Rose is a freshman. That's a guy you have your eye on. Uh, so it's a lot more about individuals. But I, I think overall, uh, if you're looking for an outcome, uh, I'm not going to be crazy concerned about the defense if the offense goes up and down the field playing base. Um <laughs> Right, with the defense playing base, base defense. Uh, you know, remember the spring game last year, Carolina got up, Zaquandre White, and 
Gene Bell and a walk-on running back, they all just ran, you know, ran it up the middle a bunch. And were very successful. And then that didn't really happen during the season often. <laughs> so, and, and, and look, teams were able to run it against the Gamecock defense uh, successfully, your better teams and all that. But I don't think the, the spring game was a telltale sign. Uh, I just don't. And, and I think that everybody now, okay, so you got a baseball team that, you know, can't, that does not score enough runs and last year could not score enough runs. Uh, even the national championship women's basketball team, we talked about their shooting earlier and the offense and scoring points. And then, um, and then you go, uh, you know, football last year, the struggles on offense. So I, I think that, you know, when you talk about it, 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 it would be a good thing psychologically for the fan base if they scored a bunch of points. Now, th- does the psychological, uh, well-being of the fan base matter in terms of success this season? No, it doesn't Um, because fans are going to be fans. But, uh, you know, people ask me what what, what would be an ideal outcome? You know, the the offense going up and down the field and and doing a lot of it through the air, (laughs) Uh, I think. Because, you hey, you you can see signs of a passing game. But, you know, Satterfield said he's going to keep it sort of vanilla. So, I I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to expect. Uh, but I'll, I'll be a lot less concerned uh, if the defense struggles to get stops in this one than if the offense does. And, and, it, and it's also going to be interesting this year because unlike, you know, some previous years where it's like ones versus twos or ones versus ones uh, or all that, you know, this year it's evenly matched teams. So, you know, maybe the individual aspect of it is something that you you, you kind of more take away than – the wins and losses or who's moving the ball or what. So I don't know. You know, we'll see what happens tomorrow night. I'm certainly looking forward to it uh, and all of that. So it's time for the mailbag. Not uh, not a lot of mailbag activity. Uh, Remember, you can get into the mailbag if you email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And Mark did email in and ask if Bubba the Love Sponge can play safety. (laughs) Safety, death and safety. That's uh. Some of these young guys at safety, some of the walk-ons at safety, you know, we can look uh, we can look at that, right? So, um, so there you go. Um, and the mailbag is, of course, sponsored by iHelp Consulting, uh, and it's always Daniel is, is a really good guy and sponsor of mine, and uh, sponsors the segment on JB and Goldwater as well. Uh, and if you're a business owner, you're looking to save time and money. That's where iHelp Consulting can help. iHelp is an owned and operated company by a Gamecock whose only mission is to help save money on expenses. So you're paying too much for credit card processing, internet, insurance, anything else. iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if iHelp can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. They can't help your business. It's no cost to you. Call or text Daniel at iHelp, 843-372-5713, or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713, iHelpConsulting. How can I help you? And he's helping me with uh, the new NIL Collective, Carolina Rise, which will launch here pretty soon. Uh, You have any questions about that, about giving money to an NIL Collective or you know, just general questions about what it does and what it does is it, it helps. Uh, it helps with players. I mean, it, it helps when you have a robust NIL program, it helps in recruiting. Uh, you know, you can't go out and make deals with recruits to entice them to come, but uh, you can certainly point out on paper how much, you know, X player has made <laughs> at South Carolina in their NIL program. And and it's coming, you know, football and men's basketball, or football and women's basketball actually is doing pretty well uh, at Carolina with the NIL stuff. And, but then the, um, you know, men's basketball, not so much. That's going to be a big focus of Carolina rise uh, football, men's basketball, baseball. Uh, if there is uh, something we're asked to do for women, we'll certainly do it. You know, we're not shutting anybody off softball, whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I think men's basketball in particular needs it right now. So that's kind of, you know, a lot of times it's determined. It's not necessarily determined by what I decide or it's kind of the market or whatever. But uh, certainly looking forward to 
doing some NIL deals with, uh, you know, Lamont Paris's players uh, in the men's basketball program. Cause I think, you know, it can really make a difference uh, with that particular program. So again, Carolina rise LLC at gmail.com is the kind of the, the open line, the line of communication right now for that. You can also follow it on Twitter at Carolina rise with the number one uh, and also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Carolina rise LLC. Uh, not a lot of info on those channels yet, but just, if you want to get, go ahead and like the page, go ahead and follow it on Twitter uh, to where when the info comes out, you'll be able to get it. Or you can send me an email and all that. And we, uh, we had some people ask about mailing in checks, right? And uh, we got an address too. So if you're interested in doing that, please let me know. All right. I have consulting mailbag. We did have the one thing with, uh, with um, Mark there. So it's uh, one of those things uh, about Bubba the Love Sponge. <laughs> Uh, and you can also tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Please follow this podcast on Twitter at the Big Spur Pod. You can also, we have a Facebook page for this now too, uh, facebook.com slash inside the Gamecocks. Also, Instagram, um, inside at inside the Gamecocks. Lots of content, extra little content and things there. Uh, Jay Gibb, when does Stone Blanton and Tanner Bailey come on to campus? Uh, they don't come until the summer. Uh, they're graduating from high school, going to prom, uh, finishing up in Gordo and uh, Madison, Mississippi. Uh, Stone Blanton could probably just drive through and pick old Tanner Bailey up and, and bring him on over down I 20, right? <laughs> Those guys, they, they're kind of, they're not that close to each other, but they're, they're, Tanner's kind of on the way. Um, yeah, so, so they're not, they were never going to enroll early, uh, especially Tanner because he kind of got after it late or whatever uh, after decommitting from Oregon. Uh, but they'll be here this summer, and uh, I I would not be surprised to see both impress. Uh, do I think that, I guess, do I believe that Tanner's going to win the starting job this year? No. Uh, do I think he can maybe get to the third team? Maybe. Uh, I think he's a little bit better passer right now. But, uh, well, he's probably – he's a better passer right now than Braden Davis. But I, and Braden Davis is a guy I'm looking forward to seeing tomorrow night too. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, he – you know, the sky is the limit for him. He has to develop, right? He's not a uh, not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. But he is a guy that uh, – I know they love his mental approach to the game. I, I know they love his physical – uh, contra, you know, attributes. He's fast. He's big. Uh, he could be a freak. He could be a freak. So uh, we'll see what happens with him. But I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play as well. Uh, but yeah, Tanner comes in this summer. Stone Blanton comes in this summer. Uh, you mentioned baseball with Stone Blanton. Uh, yeah, that's uh, he's not there yet. So that's why because Jay Gibbs like, is there any reason Stone is not playing baseball? That's why. Because <laughs> uh, he's not, uh, he's graduating. I think he's playing baseball for his high school team uh, this spring. So uh, look for those guys and a lot of others over the summer. You know, I'm really looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, Keenan Nelson's just a guy that keeps popping in my head when I think about safeties. You know, he's kind of an understated guy. He was like a top 100 player and dropped in the rankings for whatever reason. But anyway, that's a different, we'll discuss that in the offseason and rankings and all that. But, you know, when I look at it, uh, he's a guy that probably some people, you know, weren't as excited about because, you know, you heard the whole thing, Penn State didn't really want him or whatever. But I watched his senior film, and he's a – red, red does not like the uh, – The uh, Keenan Nelson evaluation. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's a guy that's coming in this summer. Emory Floyd, same kind of guy. Landon Sampson at receiver, another guy I'm looking forward to seeing. And all three offensive linemen will be in this summer, Brew Baker, Henry, and Maines. Uh, and I think those guys will, will, you know, get in there. And I don't expect 
you know, I, I think best case scenario for the first year is maybe one of them's in the two deep, you know, they come in ready, but for the future, for 2023, all oh, like this, this 2022 class guys, I don't think you're going to see as many members of this class from the high school ranks, high school ranks uh, on the field as maybe you would have in, in some years where, you know, Hey, you signed this big class and, you know, a lot of these guys are going to have to play. Uh, and, and that's for several reasons. You know, you got the COVID redshirt year that's brought some guys back. Uh, Beamer's done a great job of keeping the 2020 class uh, that was probably one of Muschamp's best and intact for the most part. Uh, and then you signed, what, 14, 15 portal guys over the last couple of years. They're all in the two deep. Uh, so, so for this season, you know, the, the pressure is not really on this class. Uh, 2023 season, though, uh, a lot of these guys are going to step in and play. So they've got a year uh, to get in there and get rocking and rolling because South Carolina is going to lose a significant amount of players uh, after this coming season. It's just the nature of it. You know, there's that many older guys uh, on the roster. Um, And so Stone Bland and Tanner Bailey, uh, Jay Gibb, are going to be part of that. And and we'll see sort of what happens. Finally, Gamecock Pastor. Uh, (sighs) Goodness gracious. Goodness. Uh, all right. So last question uh, for the weekend. And I do hope all you have, all of you have a wonderful weekend. Game got pastor says not a question. Says not a question. Just wanted to say, I appreciate you and haven't missed an episode or article through basketball, baseball in the off season. Just been a little quiet though. A very busy season of life. My Gamecock fandom is so much better because of you. JC Sherbert. Thanks for a pot. He tagged both of us there. Uh, I appreciate that, Gamecock Pastor. And um, just to have a little personal note, uh, my father passed away in 1995. Uh, today is his birthday. Uh, he would have been 70 years old. <laughs> kind of hard to think of old dad being 70. He died when he was 43. Uh, so saying that today to me, uh, is big time, you know, because I think he'd have been very, very proud of the work I've done. He loved the Gamecocks. Uh, that's where I got it from. <laughs> uh, and, and he always thought that that I would be really good in this business. You know, I played ball growing up and probably wasn't as good as my brothers. I had three, three little brothers. Definitely wasn't as good as they were in baseball. And then uh, two of them were quarterbacks. I was probably the best basketball player out of all of them. But uh, – you know, played ball growing up, got my love of sports from him. I got my name from him, Joseph Christopher Sherbert Jr., right? Um, and so today being his birthday, you know, he was born on tax day or what used to be tax day and died on Pearl Harbor Day. So big life uh, for uh, J.C. Sherbert Sr. <laughs> and um, for you to say that today makes me proud. Uh, and, you know, being a pastor and off, you'll just say a little prayer and hope that he found peace wherever he's at. Uh, I'd certainly appreciate that. And I appreciate you. I appreciate each and every one of you uh, for giving me the ability uh, to make this my life's work. Uh, the Big Spur.com, the podcasts, everything I've done in recruiting. Uh, and, and, you know, the other thing about starting the NIL collective, too, you know, I'm not making any I'm not making any money off of that. I'm a. Uh, I'm not taking any money, you know, the only money that gets spent that doesn't get spent on the, the players will be for things like stamps and promotional items and, and things like that. And there's just not a very, and a lot of the promotional stuff I'm going to donate myself. Uh, and, and I think that's a way to give back uh, not only to the university of South Carolina athletics programs that have done me done very well by me over the years or done very well to me, uh, but to all of you, because, you know, all that helps winning, you know, all that goes into like recruiting well, winning all that good stuff. And certainly you guys are all my people and uh, it, it, it's been heartbreaking at times uh, for you guys uh, with everything the athletics program has been through the last seven years. Uh but you keep coming back and, and, and you certainly uh, have had a lot of interest in what I do and uh, in the Gamecocks. And yeah, that's the only way if everybody abandoned ship, uh, it'd never get any better. But right now, you know, nobody's abandoned ship and people are 
pretty fired up. So I hope that, uh, again, thanks to Gamecock Pastor for sending that to me. It means a lot. And I hope all of you that make your way to Columbia to williams Price this weekend have a wonderful day. It looks like the rain's probably going to hold off. I think hopefully it will. Uh, and uh, you have a nice, beautiful South Carolina spring afternoon. Happy Easter to all of you as well uh, that, that celebrate Easter out there. I uh, hope you can spend some time with your family, eat a little potato salad, some deviled eggs, some ham. I don't know. That's what we used to have on Easter. I don't know what everybody does these days, but uh, certainly wish you all the best. Uh, thanks again to all of our sponsors. Thanks again to all of our listeners. Uh, this has been the Inside the Gamecast podcast with J.C. Sherbert. Have a great big Gamecock weekend, everyone, and we'll holler at you soon.